Well, hello and welcome to back to the Adopt Yourself podcast. I'm Allie Jamison and I am so excited to have Michelle joining me today for my first interview in honor of Adoption Awareness Month, which is really exciting. And I'm so excited to have you on. We met through Instagram, which was really fun. And I'm just really honored and grateful to share this space with you for you to share your story. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored. This is my first podcast. Yay. So, yeah. I love it. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. How did you get into wanting to share your story and like, what is your adoption story? So I wanted to get into sharing my story um, basically because it, it's been pretty much an issue my whole life um, for probably since I was like a kid it just was really hard. I found out when I was eight years old. And um, just since then, it's just like really affected me uh, mentally, psychologically, uh, physically. Um, but so I'll go into my story to talk more about it. Um, I was born in uh, Kampalong, Romania in 1988. And um, I am the product of rape. So during that time, you know, it's very poor country. And um, between, you know, the rape and um, my birth mother's relationship with her mother just got really bad. So I just think it's a combination of everything. Um, she just, it just, she couldn't handle it. Um, so she, once, when I was born, she put me in an orphanage until I was two years old. And then I was adopted by a wonderful American family. Um, you know, growing up, I always, I always, honestly, I would like kind of wonder why I don't look at like anybody. This was before I found out. And, you know, I would just like constantly stare in the mirror, you know, I would see like other kids at school look like their parents and, uh, you know, my uh, adoptive brother, like their biological son looks like them. And I'm like, I just wondered why I didn't like have any of their features. Um, and then when my dad told me at eight years old, uh, we drove down to the Bay Area near our shore house and he told me that I was adopted and explained everything to me. Um, of course, my reaction, you know, was, you mean my mom's not my real mom. And, you know, of course, like that, I know that now, like, of course, she's my real mom, but, you know, eight years old, I was a kid, I didn't really understand it. it and, um, you know, honestly, since then, it kind of changed a lot for me. Uh, the kids at school found out, and this one girl said to me, um, the only reason your mother didn't love you, is, or the only reason your mom left you is because she didn't love you. And that really crushed me bad, like, you know, so I was like, already like kind of confused about finding out. I didn't know what any of that meant. Um, and then hearing that like your mother didn't want you. So I just, you know, from that point, I really just self-bullied myself the rest of my life and felt that nobody wanted me. Um, I would just constantly, you know, make sure I stayed thin or had to have like makeup on my hair done, always like look presentable. Cause I felt like, you know, maybe then someone will want me if I look good or um, and I was also a people pleaser, constantly. Like, I still am, but I have more boundaries. Um, but I was constantly pleasing people. And um, so I just felt like, you know, if, if I do what they ask or, you know, if I make them happy, they'll want me. Um, mm -hmm. So it's just a horrible, horrible feeling. Um, you know, it just got harder and harder growing up, especially like going to high school. You know, you're not really quite sure who you are, who, what your identity is, you know what your purpose is and like, like it's just it was all just so confusing and 
um, I didn't have any pictures of my birth family. So I still had those, I would look in the mirror and like try to like get visual like um, images of like what they look like and feel like take features of me and make them. And um, so then I went for a search for my birth family in 2011. And um, I found my birth mom. I found out, um, that's when I found out she was raped. And I have a half brother and a half sister by, um, she, my birth mom's married and that's their father. And um, I finally got pictures of her. And then she told the investigator who my birth father was. And he went and, go, um, went and took a picture of him. And um, so I finally was able to like say like, and I look exactly like my birth mom a lot. Um, but like, you know, when I reached out to her, you know, she just didn't really seem, she didn't really want any, um, anything to do with me. So I went through like another, you know, a round of depression that like, you know, it was like a second abandonment feeling. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I just, and then like from that moment on, and that really like put me into a spiral of just, just making everything worse. And I stayed in a lot of like, you know, a couple of long-term relationships longer than I should have been. Because I just, you know, again, I was a people pleaser. And then I felt like if, you know, if, you know, I left them or they left me, like no one else would want me. And um, it was really hard until this year actually like was the toughest. Um, I was going to go search for my birth father in the springtime. I, you know, I had everything ready, the money. Um, I just had to like pull the trigger for it and go. But then, um, you know, I went through all these questions in my head, like, why do I want to go see him or why would I want a relationship with him why do I want him to know about me you know he's a bad person um but then I'm like then I started down like well maybe I want to hear his side of the story or know why he did it or I just you know he was part of the reason like really most of the reason why I was depressed from my birth family and um and then you know I just a light had hit me and I just decided not to go through with it and then I finally felt you know, I thought me finding my birth family was going to be my closure, mm. but it wasn't. My closure was basically me accepting what it was and finally loving myself. And that's when I found my true closure. And that's, yeah. That's beautiful, especially that last part. It's so important. And uh, I relate to so much of your story, even though our experiences are so different. Um, yeah. Yeah, so much of, you know, thinking or hoping that someone could outwardly fill, you know, a longing that we might have had our whole lives has been so a void in our hearts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, so thank you for sharing. Um, oh, well, thank you for letting me share. And because so, you know, my story that um I right, yeah. have basically been told since I was born what that I've been adopted and that what adoption means. Do you remember what it was like to be one um, in the orphanage, but do you also remember what it was like to be told at eight years old? Like, do you remember any of those feelings or any of those emotions? Well, I don't remember anything from the orphanage because I think I was so young. Mm -hmm. um, I just know that um, there was like different sections of like group ages, like um, age of groups. So they had like the um, infants, they had, I think, and then infants and toddlers, and then it went into like the older kids. And um, I was recently put into the older kids before I was adopted. 
And it's funny, I don't remember anything, but I do know that both of my pinkies were broke in the orphanage um, by probably one of the older kids. That's kind of what they bullied the little kids there. Oh gosh. Yeah, so that, I mean, like I said, I don't remember anything, but <laughs> because I know I didn't break any of my fingers when I was here, so. Yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah. But um, finding out at eight, like I said, it was, it was just more confusing than anything. I didn't really understand what really adoption was. And um, like I said, my reaction was about my birth or about my adoptive mother not being my real mom. And um, mm-hmm. You know, like I said, it just, it, that moment really changed the rest of my life a lot. I mean, you know, I, can't, I, I just can't explain like how much just being told you're adopted changes you. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then yeah. just all, I'm sure all the questions that come with it, because I mean, I've always had questions my whole life, but the thought of being told at a later age I can only imagine like what that must have been like. Yeah, it was, it was tough. You know, I honestly wish I would have been told either, you know, from day one, like growing up or maybe been told her a little later in life because I felt like I could have possibly understood it more as I was older. Um, but then again, like, it's just, it's kind of, I can say mm-hmm. me now, like, you know, if I found out now, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I mean, I would understand it more, but, you know, I don't know. I just think at that age, eight years, it was, it was tough. Yeah. yeah. How, what was it like um, having an adoptive sibling finding out that you were adopted? Did that cause any, like, change in the relationship or? Actually, no. Um, my brother is amazing. He He has never made me feel that I am the adopted child like he's never said anything to me like even growing up as kids he's always been the big brother supportive that's my sister never like oh that's my sister who we adopted or um that's not your parents like those are my parents like I never had that issue so my issues were never with my adoptive family because they never made me feel out of place um I just felt that within like I had like that um you know I felt very disconnected from them I felt disconnected from a lot just from people in general and um you know it it was tough like not feeling like you belonged with them you You don't have that connection with them Mm -hmm. and um do you feel like that connection has grown more as you've connected deeper to yourself over the years I would say I'm definitely working on that. Things have gotten, the feeling has gotten better, um, but I do still feel the disconnection. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it could be a disconnection I feel for the rest of my life, just being adopted, you know, but, you know, I mean, of course I love them, you know, and they're amazing and I love being with them and spending time with them. And again, they never made me feel, um, they never bring up my adoption to me like in a negative way. They never made me feel like I wasn't their biological child. Like they always made me feel loved and wanted and all. It's just, like I said, it was just my own feeling. Totally, totally relatable. Cause, and similarly with me, like my adoptive family was super accepting and loving, but it was just mm-hmm. my internal side. And even now mm-hmm. still of me, like fully filling, you know, filling the holes that I've felt my whole life. Right. Um, 
within myself and like the challenge of what that is and like how, figuring out how to do that. Uh, I know, I know. Yeah. So that's, it's beautiful that you were blessed with uh, an open and loving family because that's so important, especially as an adoptee. For sure, um, absolutely. Yeah, and then I don't recall, did you mention, were you, did you know any adoptees growing up or were you part of any like adoption groups or any of that? I was not, no. Um, I did know a couple kids who were adopted, We, but we never really, um, we never like stayed close or stayed connected. Like I don't really, I don't talk to them at all now, mm-hmm. but there were a couple, a couple kids that I knew. Did you but feel of course like- when you're young, you don't really know like how to talk about it with other kids totally. than you would now. <laughs> yeah, but, completely. Yeah. 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 Cause I mean, for me growing up, I know, or looking back, like what would have helped me more was Mm-hmm. connecting with more adoptees even though I was definitely in a mental and emotional space of not knowing how to communicate what I was actually experiencing I but know, like looking yeah. back if there was like one thing for me it would have been just a community of adoptees and like understanding that I wasn't the only one feeling lost or disconnected and so exactly yeah yeah with- I think that probably would have helped me a lot yeah. you know not just like oh, hi, like this, um, you know, this kid's adopted, you know, maybe you could be friends, but it's more of like, share your experiences together, you know, learn each other, learn, you know, talk about how you're feeling from like finding out. And, you know, I think that would help me a lot growing up, just being more aware of it. Like we didn't really talk about my adoption. That's a thing too. Like, like we, that was just never like a conversation we would have like after, since then, we never really talked about it unless I brought it up. Mm-hmm. Did you, so for me, I always felt hesitant bringing it up because I didn't want to like offend my parents or my brother or anyone else in my family. And then I didn't like, I also wasn't fully certain how I felt. I was kind of like moving through so many emotions until the past few Mm -hmm. years where I like really landed with how I feel about it all. Um, Was that challenging for you to like talk with them about it or how did you navigate that? Um, I guess I like it was definitely hard for like me, like even if I wanted to talk about it, I still felt like that was maybe a something I didn't want to talk about. Or it was like maybe, not that it was a bad thing that I was adopted, but it was bad to talk about it because mm-hmm. they don't do it, I shouldn't either kind of mentality. Um, but, you know, there was a time where like when I wanted to do the investigation in search of my birth mom and my birth family, you know, I did go to my mom and ask her, you know, and to, where I told her, you know, I really want to search for my birth mom. Um, but, you know, if it's going to make you sad, I won't do it. You know, so I put, of course, I put her feelings first because I don't, I never wanted her to feel that um, I was choosing an, like another per, like mother over her or um, that I don't love her, you know, and then I'm not happy. I just wanted to make sure she was okay with it. But of course she said, you know, she's like, She's like, no, do it. You know, you need to do it. Do what you need to do. So she was very supportive when it came to that. But I was more concerned about how she was going to feel. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what was there something in particular that led to you like, okay, now's the time I'm going to start looking. Like, was like, what was the buildup leading up to that? So I think it was um, the buildup was more of like just me 
you know, the combination of me feeling, you know, that disconnection, um, not feeling like I belonged anywhere. Um, you know, the constant, like wondering, like, who do I look like? You know, I don't have any, you know, I don't have medical history. I still, I, I still don't. So anytime I go to the doctors, I always have to feel like, you know, unknown, like to a lot of health, you know, questions. And, um, you know, I may not ever know that, honestly, but there's just like a lot of questions I had that I wanted answered. I needed to find these answers because I felt that was going to make me feel, you know, like complete knowing that, knowing these things. Um, so like I said, all through, so all through high school, I, that's when I started the investigation, I would say in 2000, 2004, maybe. So I searched for years. That you, that you did that like starting in high school. Wow. Yeah, it was all was, through my high school years. I was yeah. nowhere in a mental or emotional state to do anything like that. Wow. Really? Yeah. I mean, for well, me, I was talking with my birth mother via email at the time, but I like, even then I remember I was like, I have 5 million questions I want to ask her, but I just didn't feel like I could communicate Right. without her like running away because I was so fearful of being rejected or being abandoned in any capacity um which is still something I'm moving through but yeah and uh, well I also lived in this little bubble where I felt like you know everything was you know rainbows and butterflies because um I was like okay if you know I'm gonna go find them you know then I, I'm gonna find answers I'm gonna you know my birth one's gonna want to have a connection with me and I never even went to the negatives because I was just so positive about it that I thought like this is what's going to happen and then this is how it's going to go in my mind but little did I know like it went completely opposite direction and that's the part of course that that like broke me but um yeah so I started in 2004 I connected with um the lawyer who brought me over and um he was no help at all so uh, he actually told me to come over to his house and um, he's like, I have all these files. I have your file here. I have pictures of your birth mom. Um, you can have them. Like I'll have everything you, you want. So I brought my, my best friend Danielle over and um, we looked through those boxes for forever and there was nothing. Um, mm -hmm. And that just, that disappointed me big time. I was, I was devastated because I, I had my hopes up that I was gonna like be able to see a picture and and everything, um, but I, I didn't let that stop me. I just kept going and I was determined, you know, and that's how I am like a lot of things. Like when I have my mind set on something, I go and do it and I'm not gonna give up. So um, I continued and um, I, then I finally found this investigator in, I kept searching for years and I finally found this investigator in 2010. And um, he actually, was the one who helped me find them. He lives in Romania. So he's a translator, investigator. Um, and then he found my family like that. And it, it's kind of funny and weird story, but you know, when he found them and then he gave me all the pictures and you know, I was, part of me like, it almost like I didn't believe it. So I actually hired a private investigator to, investigate my investigator because I, I don't know if like I felt like I had this thought in my head like oh this is a scam what if this is a scam like this is just like a made-up family I paid this guy all this money and he just picked the family and then sent me pictures um and I just had that gut feeling and I think it was just the part like that it it made me feel like because it's so real 
like it's not true because I spent so long looking that this can't possibly be happening. Um, I, you know, he turned out to be legit. You know, my family was my birth family and um, yeah. It's amazing. Wow. What was it like? Um, like, how did you navigate receiving the information? Was it like all of the information at once? Or were you like, okay, give me more? Or like, what was that process like? So uh, when my when the investigator found my birth mom, um, he immediately called me and, um, and he emailed me pictures and all the information like, um, her, you know, her full name, my brother and sister, her husband, I had grandparents there, like her parents were still alive. Um, the village where they live and just like some, just like a little information. And, and then he told me about, so he basically told me everything at once. He told me about um, the rape and he told me like exactly what happened. You know, she was, my birth mom was at a wedding with a friend and uh, she was, she met him there and she was walking home and he followed her and um, you know, he tried to, to kiss her and she rejected him. And, you know, in certain countries, you know, it's a, it's a sign of like um, dishonor when you disobey a guy. So he took it upon himself to um, attack her. So he, uh, he pulled her in like an alleyway and, and she said it was, it was a brutal attack. And, um, yeah, so it was, it was really hard to hear. And then when I heard, you know, she was raped, you know, I blamed myself. I put guilt on myself for the longest time that, you know, my existence caused her so much pain, you know. And it's, um, sorry, I teared up a little bit. Um, I just never wanted to, I just know how, you know, not only the fact that it was hard for her to be in such a poor country, to be assaulted and attacked and powerless and and the result of that gets pregnant and then, you know, kicks, kicks out of her house because her mother, you know, didn't want her there because she was pregnant and, you know, she couldn't take, barely take care of her, let alone another another child and um you know but they did apparently they did go and report my birth father to the police uh then uh, he uh, um he threatened her so they dropped the charges so then i was trying to find a police report just to show like because i like not that i never believed her or the story i just always felt like if i saw that that would just be more proof in a way like I don't know. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I just, I blame myself for the rest of my life that she just, that it was all my fault. And you know, I know it's not my fault. You know, I, but, you know, she could have, she could have had an abortion, you know, but she chose to have me. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm here, I'm blessed. Mm -hmm. So I guess it was a blessing in disguise, but yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, <sighs> just honoring that, you know, the, just the process that you've come through from blaming yourself or even, even a thought of blaming yourself when, you know, really for something so painful came you, something so beautiful. 
Um, so thank, thank you, you for sharing that. Of course. How, um, how did you move through that from blaming yourself to like moving through to where you are now? Because I can only imagine hearing that news and then, you know, just all the emotions that must come with that and all the questions for her probably and mm -hmm. for him and yeah, like how, what helped you in moving through that? Um, honestly, a lot of my healing process has been this year. Um, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm 100%, you know, healed and fine. You know, there are days where I still, I have my moments and I still get, of course, really sad and I think about things, but I'm not as hard on myself anymore. Um, I don't blame myself for what happened. Um, I just, you know, like, so earlier this year when COVID hit, um, that's actually when I hit my rock bottom and I went into a, a, a really bad depression. And um, so, you know, I wasn't able to see my family and my family's actually, you know, my cousins are like my best friends. And, you know, whenever I have like, I'm upset or I have, I'm feeling down, I just go to them and you know, we don't even have to talk about it. Just being with them always made me happy and, you know, distracted me. And, um, you know, for the longest time, I would put my happy face up and pretend everything was okay. And then to the point where that happy face, I couldn't go up anymore. Like it was showing through me. And um, so, like I said, when COVID hit, um, it was really tough. I couldn't see them. Um, I just pretty much, I had trouble waking up in the morning it took me a long time to wake up and I would just like cry all the time. And, um, and then like one night I just felt so hopeless and I've never felt that bad before. And it was never, it wasn't like I wanted to like commit suicide. It was just, I wanted the pain to go away. And I, and I just thought that if I wasn't here, I wouldn't have to deal with this anymore. But um, so I just, you know, but then I honestly, I, I was just laying there and I'm like, I know I'm not the only one who's feeling this. And I'm thinking about so many other people who are going through such a hard time or in my situation, um, who's been adopted or even not adopted, just feeling, you know, hopeless and, you know, guilt, for, you know, they live with guilt and, and all, um, you know, that I'm not alone in this. And that's actually what made, gave me a little more um, strength and motivation that I'm going to get up and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take this pain and I'm going to like turn to, you know, inspiration to help others. And so that's why I actually started um, an Instagram page, uh, baby be brave underscore 24. <laughs> um, but it's just, you know, talks about everyday struggles, including my own. I've been talking more about my adoption and um, just, like I said, if I help one person, I've done what I needed to do. So that is healing me, honestly, you know, helping others, but I'm still helping myself at the same time. So that's been helping a lot. That's beautiful and so powerful. And I'm just, I'm just so yeah. grateful that you are moving through it and that, you, you know, you're like, yeah, it's I'm healing and I'm healed and we're I'm moving through it you know exactly and that's the most beautiful thing is like we're not alone right and 
especially in, you know, that moment that you described of like, if I wasn't here, then the pain wouldn't be here. I've been there, you know, and, and in my own way. And I, I remember that time that um, for me, it was about, it was just after I left an abusive relationship or like during slash after where I just felt like, I don't know how to get out of this. I don't know how to move through this. And um, and it was definitely a moment of like, okay, these are the two options. And and I just felt, I was like, I love life, even if it feels yeah. crappy right now, even if it's painful um, and eventually just moving through it and moving through it. And so I really honor that you are where you are, but also where you have been and that you are open to sharing these stories because like for a lot of people, it's tough to share about, you know, our dark times. Absolutely. Because I always felt like it was, you know, me, like it felt like it was a weakness. You know, if I talk about things, you know, that makes me weak. And I always just considered myself as a strong person, but, you know, um, of course I learned that, you know, strength you know, asking for help or talking about your story or just, you know, healing, sharing everything is strength. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it takes a lot of courage, a lot of bravery, you know, just to, to talk about it, you know. Exactly. Because exactly. you become very vulnerable. You open yourself up to everyone. Mm-hmm. And I found like on my journey, the more vulnerable I am, the more growth I have. Even if yeah. no one watches, even if no one listens, even if no one pays yeah. attention, it's like, it's almost kind of like the outpour of love of yourself and of accepting of yourself and how you- And self-therapeutic as well. Yeah, completely, yeah. completely. So yeah, so- I definitely find myself like the more personal I get, the more people um, listen mm-hmm. and the more I feel better inside, like that I don't have like this weight holding me down of like all the- not lies, but like holding everything in, you Mm. know, I'm releasing everything. And I do feel a lot better doing that. It's beautiful. Well, and yeah, and it's like so much, um, because I remember you mentioned about the people pleasing, I completely relate to that. And uh, so much of my life, I kept holding things in, I kept holding Mm -hmm. in things I wanted to say, how I felt, uh, things that weren't, con- I didn't confront someone about, things I didn't speak right. up for myself about. And so to like be in the stage of like releasing more and, um, you know, really sharing our voices is so important and sharing our It truth. definitely is. I'm, big, I'm so big on like, we have a voice, use it, you know, it helps us, it helps other people. You know, if people, you know, like I said, if you just get one person, you know, you're, you're doing, you're helping, you know, that one person. And you've already helped me. So (laughs) you've already done it. (laughs) Um, So what has been, so like the whole concept of adopting yourself, when it really came to me, it was, it just felt like what I've been doing my whole life. I love that, by the way. (laughs) Thank you. It's really just like accepting all parts of who I was, all parts of who I am, and all aspects of life as, you know, we grow and continue to experience and learn and different things. Um, So the way I see it is like, for me, it's been taking responsibility for myself and different aspects of who I am. And then Mm -hmm uncovering more of who I actually am. Um, 
and taking responsibility for myself in relationships and then eventually myself as a steward of the earth. What, and I've seen for me, especially this past year of like, oh, that part was challenging for me to accept because of other like preconceived notions or other conditioning mm -hmm. or programming. What, um, what has been like the most challenging part of you that you've adopted? Acceptance. Acceptance has been the biggest part for me. Um, mm. Even though I've, I'm accepting everything, but yeah, definitely um, just knowing, like finally accepting that you are wanted. Um, you are chosen, you are loved. Um, you have a purpose, you know, and you're, like I said, my, my closure was not other people. You know, I didn't need their love to feel better. I needed love for myself. And that was the biggest part of me, you know, basically hating myself, you know, growing up and just not feeling enough. Mm -hmm. And uh, it didn't matter, but finally learning that, you know, I have to make myself happy. You know, I can't, of course you have to make others happy, but you have to put yourself first and mm -hmm. it's not selfish. And I'm learning to do that every day. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. I love yeah. that you mentioned in that it's not selfish because mm -hmm. for so many years for me, I thought it was selfish. I was like, Oh, they just, Same, they're, yeah. that's just a selfish person. And like, it wasn't until someone I dated a few years ago who was completely selfish, borderline narcissistic, but he taught me that it was okay to put myself first. And that mm -hmm. was a really big turning point for me of self-care and like loving myself more and like since exactly. then shifting and shifting, but yeah, so I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big believer of, you know, you meet people for a reason mm -hmm. and for the good and bad, like the bad people teach us like what we deserve, mm -hmm. you know, and the good people are there to inspire us and uplift us and help motivate us. Yeah. just help us through the healing process you know um yeah I actually dated my ex-fiance um when we broke up you know his um his mom became very um just snapped she just changed on me our whole relationship of course and um I just remember her yelling in the window at me and I just like basically sat on the floor and just went numb and like just let her like verbally abuse me and then um she she said um you know stop feeling sorry for yourself because you're an orphan and you, you know no one wanted you and so like and at that time like my adoption was my weakness like that was my skeleton in my closet like I was I'm very I was very sensitive about it because I always took my adoption as a bad thing because of how I treated myself and, you know, a lot of people, you know, say, you know, oh, you're adopted. Oh, that's so amazing. And yes, of course it is. But they just, people don't realize how much it affects an adoptee growing yeah. up. Like, it's not just like you're adopted in this family, you become one loving family and that's it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, we, we struggle with a lot. And, um, you know, like when she said that to me, like I just it like triggered everything. Mm -hmm. and it, but, um, but you know, if I hear it now, you know, of course things like that will still hurt you, but it won't be something I'll take. You know, I'm using my adoption as a strength now. 
-hmm. and it's making me who I am. You know, I'm not who, you know, what happened to my birth mother and, you know, that's, um, that doesn't define me. You know, my birth father does not define me, what he did, you know, and that's again, the whole part of acceptance and that's what's helping me move on. It's beautiful, it's beautiful. Thank you. Um, do you view adoption as a trauma? Um, yes, I definitely do. Um, I mean, I basically, like I just said about how, you know, I felt like what my birth mother went through, what my birth father did, you know, traumatized me and made me feel just unworthy and just made me feel resentful to myself and um I, like I prayed for the day I could just say like I could say with a smile I'm adopted but every time I said I was adopted out, li out loud I would just feel like such like horrible emotions like like just the bad outweighed the good mm. um but yeah it was definitely a trauma for me and I'm sure it's a trauma for other adoptees and you know like we all have different situations we all come from different situations but in the end we all have the same feelings the same emotions about it about feeling the connect disconnection and um you know wanting like belonging and our purpose and yeah i think that's very traumatizing it affects just affects every, the whole aspect of our lives you know the um the choices we make the people we um we, we stay with or the people we hang around with because we feel like we feel insecure and we feel like they're the ones that are going to make us feel better but if anything they just make us feel worse mm. feel you on that <laughs> <laughs> yep yep um and thank you i uh, yeah i completely agree with everything you just said <laughs> um do you like where are you now with your relationships with others? Like, are you, are you still navigating like any toxic relationships? Are you, have you shifted from those? Like what's your. I actually, um, my, I, I went through like after this was still when I was going through my hard times, but I decided to, in order for me to get better, I need to remove the negativity. So um, I removed a lot of negative people from my life. Um, I decided to just live differently, you know, look more on the positive side of things. And that's helped my mentality a lot um, since then. But um, I'm sorry, I lost track of my uh, train of thought. Okay. Um, what has helped you in shifting from like negative relationships or like, like, is there anything, was it just boundaries or like, was there anything mm -hmm. in particular that like helped you get to the point of like, all right, no, this shift is needed. Cause I know for me, like I struggled a lot with letting go of certain relationships because they felt great at times. And then I kept chasing that greatness when there mm -hmm. was so much instability and I kept feeling like I was walking on eggshells and there was so much toxicity, but I kept looking like, oh, but it was great at one point. Oh, but it could be great. And like, I kept kind of going through these like roller coasters with some relationships. And then I did eventually reach a point where I was like, oh no, this is, you know, this is not what is serving me right now. 
was there like a turning point or like anything in particular that like got you there? Because I know that a yes, lot of people are challenged with like shifting from relationships, especially ones that like are long term or whatever they may be. Yeah. So um, my when my ex and I split, you know, that's actually when I started changing a lot. Um, he was my ex fiance, and um, I was with him for a long time. Um, but again, like mainly because of my own issues as well. Um, but, you know, I I got. Like I said, I got rid of my, the negativity. Um, I started, you know, again, putting myself first. Uh, now I'm actually, I have completely, this is really funny, but um, I was like on the dating apps a lot. And I just constantly always felt like, you know, uh, you know, I need a man to make me feel better. Or like, or I, I need a man. But then I got to the point where I don't need a man. I want, you know, I want a man. Mm-hmm. So um, I am currently deleted all my dating apps. And I am engaged to myself right now. I'm putting myself first and that's what's helping me remain positive. And, and that, is, that is part of my healing process too, is just focusing on me and not worrying about anybody else right now. Because I, I can't give, <laughs> I can't, um, you know, I can't give it all, you know, to someone else if I'm not 100 myself right now. Yes, I, I am applauding you again because... <laughs> I know it took me so long to get to that point and to mm-hmm. like get to the point of like, no, I'm choosing myself. I'm choosing sovereignty and I'm, I'm filling yes. my own self up. And I went on a very similar path and it was, um, it was 23 months ago that I was like, I am stopping. I'm just focusing on me. And I would still, you know, jump on dating apps here and there just Same. like, oh, is there, you know, if there's someone in super alignment that sounds, you know, amazing. And then I was like, where am I putting my energy? And I'm, I'm giving it out and I'm not getting it back when I'm giving it out. Exactly. And I love that you said that you're engaged to yourself because I literally bought myself this ring. Oh, <laughs> That's beautiful. It was about, thank you. It was about like two years ago. It's just this like cheapo ring. But it for me, it was like, I'm it's committing to myself. To you. Yeah, yeah. And it was just a reminder of like, I'm committing to myself and I'm committing to myself every day. And if there exactly. is someone who walks into my life, great. But I'm on this path of my full commitment. So same. I, I like, say the same thing. <laughs> if, yeah. Like I say all the time, I say the same thing. You know, if someone does come in my life, that's great. If not, that's great. You know, I want to feel, I don't need someone to make me happy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I would, when I would go on the dating apps, you know, recently, I just would like, I guess I was just, I'm so, it's not like that I'm picky. It's just now I have boundaries, you know, now I have standards you know I'm not going to accept anything less than what I deserve so if I don't like something that the person said or if I don't like how they treated someone or the way they they talk to me like I'm not going to just be like oh you know what I'll ignore that you know I'm like no I'm just not even going to get into it because if this is how it's going to be like before you know it's it's definitely going to be like that or even worse you know, and I'm not putting myself in that situation again. I know, I know what I want. I know what I deserve and I'm not expecting anything less. And right now, again, it's about me. So I'm on a no dating policy right now. <laughs> I love that. And I just, I love your awareness and like your respect of your own boundaries and your boundary enforcement. 
because that was challenging for me. It was challenging for me to like see the red and yellow flags and be like, oh, I'm not going to paint that white. I see, you know, I see how I feel based off whatever it was. And to just, you know, to say no to it, to put a boundary up and to be okay yeah. with that and to like respect yeah. that. Because that's Don't just settle. Thing. I'm not settling anymore. Nope. No more settling. Yeah. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. No more settling. And yeah, I, I'm so proud of you, honestly. Thank you. Like, thank you for choosing yourself because I know it's not easy to shift. It's not. No, it's definitely not, but yeah, yeah, I love that. Oh. <laughs> um, is there anything, any like piece of advice or any like resource or tool that like would have helped you at any age before now, even if it was like two months ago, five months ago, or like a five-year-old version of yourself? Is there like anything that you think would have helped? I think uh, there's many things that probably could have helped. Um, you know, like I said, maybe learning from a younger age, from like day one and being like constantly reminded, you know, talk about it young, like so you grew up knowing it. And, you know, more, as older you get, the more like maybe details you get. Um, you know, there could have been, I could have like a little community, they have like the community groups of like, you know, for like adoptees, maybe there could have been like a little community group where I could have connected with other adoptees and talked about it. Um, maybe if I would have seen um, a therapist when I was younger for adoption, mm -hmm. you know, to learn the process and like how I need to like manage it and cope with it. And, um, you know, there, there's a lot of things that probably could have helped um, even, even recently, but. Um, oh yeah. No, no, go ahead. Um, cause this just came to mind. I was like, I didn't ask her this earlier. What, um, did you receive like any information from your, like, what was that like with communicating with your birth mother after learning about how you came to be? Like, was there any information she gave you directly or like, how did you navigate that? Well, because so they're in Romania, uh, she speaks fluently Romanian, and um, I don't understand. I know a few words, but I can't really speak fluent. So um, the lawyer investigator basically was like our translator. So whenever, so he would talk to her, get the information. Um, if I had a question, I would ask him, and he would ask her. Um, but you know, like I said, I didn't really get too much information. I got what I needed. And I guess that's all she wanted to give. And um, like I said, I probably could have got more information from her, but she just didn't really want a relationship with me. Um, but actually my grandfather, her father, um, him and I would write to each other. And I love that, you know. Um, so we would have a, um, the translator would like, um, trans like when, it, when he wrote it, it would come to me, I would send it to him, he would translate and then vice versa. Um, we wrote for like a long time for maybe a few years and then, the letter stopped and I always wondered why. And then I actually, I think last year I found out that he passed away. And I was just like, I was still, I was sad because I'm like the one person who like really wanted the relationship with me, you know, it's not here anymore. But, um, but that's okay. I was able to just make even a little connection with him, which was nice. Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. And, and the way I see it, it's like any moment 
especially since COVID, this is what I've come to realize is like any moment of connection to me is so precious, even if yeah. it's like 30 seconds. And exactly. That's beautiful that you did have space and time with him. And yeah, that's really amazing. How has it, um, like, do you feel like you're still navigating the acceptance? Because I am in a place now of like, I emailed my birth mom over a month ago and she hasn't emailed me back. And I have all these questions about my birth father because he doesn't appear to be who I thought he was. And so I, I'm kind of just in a different chapter of Pandora's box of, you know, all the emotions and all the questions right. coming up. Um, how has it been for you of accepting and kind of like releasing that, you know, she just doesn't want a relationship. Like, has there been anything that's helped you in navigating accepting that? Um, you know, like I said, I'm still working through the acceptance, pro the acceptance process. Like I'm not, I can't say 100% I've accepted everything, but I'm definitely further along than I was before. Um, I mean, I basically just, I, I, I constantly remind myself, like, don't fight for something or for someone if they're not going to fight back, you know, for you back. You know, you have to learn when enough is enough is, you know, you know, I shouldn't have to fight this hard for a mother's love. Mm. And, um, you yeah. know, of course, it still pains me, you know, of course, I would love to have a relationship with her, but I'm not going to force it. You know, I, I have who I need in my life. You know, the people I have right now complete me. You know, I have wonderful family. I have friends. I have a whole new community of girls and men who just like such great people and I just you know I have who I need and I'm not going to fight for someone who doesn't want me so that's where my acceptance comes from that's what I have to learn to I'm learning to accept that is some powerful medicine that I'm sure <laughs> anyone listening to this is just like yeah I mean that's medicine that I need to hear every day you know it's it, relationships are a two-way street and it's yeah. reminding ourselves of like you know what am I pouring into that cup that they're not pouring back into how long am I going to do that and it's tough with relationships with biological family because oh, yeah. it's like you know I mean for me it's like ever since I could daydream or fantasize I've fantasized about meeting my biological family and so mm -hmm. getting to the place of like well it might not happen and how can I accept that? It's definitely a, an yeah. everyday acceptance for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was, I was, um, for like, you know, a long time, I would like have this like visual in my head, like, okay, so when I find, like going back to what I said before, like when I find them, you know, it's gonna go perfect. And, um, you know, then we're gonna write to each other and then connect on like, you know, Skype or, or however we, you know, we could. and. Um, then I can go see them and you know I have like such all these memories like that like we're going to create memories and you know when like when I found out you know I couldn't have any of that then I wanted to like that well you know if your biological family doesn't want you who wants you mm. so um, but yeah again that's just me learning that I don't need her I want her but I don't need her she's not gonna 
she's not going to define who I become. Mm. Because she had, for the longest time, she had power over me. And I'm taking that power back. Oh, that's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's power it's painful and it's powerful and it's at the same time, yeah. Yeah. And it's just ooh. Such beautiful medicine that you are sharing. Thank you. Um Yeah. What is uh like what is the vision you are holding for our world whether that's like for adoptees or just for our world in general you know as we're moving through so many and things unfolding in 2020 like what what's the vision you're holding or if there's like a legacy you desire to leave behind with like where you are today do you have any thoughts on just um love yourself love others you know, um, life is, is hard enough, you know, without, you know, letting other things bother us, you know, like things that we have no control over, you know, um, just, you know, be a good person, you know, be open-minded, be, um, do what makes you happy and don't let anything hold you back because you don't feel like you're good enough or you don't deserve it or, I need to be with this person to feel better or I need to do this in order to feel wanted and I belong. And it's just, you know, you always belong. You always matter. Um, Just don't let anybody take that away from you, you know? Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Um, Is there anything else you desire to share? Anything else? I do have a little piece of advice for adoptees. Yeah. And I've said this before on um, when I went live before, but um, it is absolutely okay to have mixed feelings about your adoption. You can be happy, you can be sad, um, you can feel disconnected from your family, but that doesn't mean that you don't love them. You have the right to go search for your family without feeling that you're, um, that you're, um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like betraying your your adoptive family. You know, you have absolutely the right to go search for them. And however you feel, there is no right or wrong way of how you feel with when it comes to this. It's just, you're not alone. There's others around, you know, meet people who are adopted, talk to them, you know, go through it together. You know, if I wish I had someone I can go through it with who was in my situation or just adopted in general and, um, you know, just, you know, and if you don't, you know, you need, you have a right to get those answers. And if it's not the answers you, you want, then you have to learn to accept it and move on. And it's painful as that is, you just have to find a way to learn to do that. Um, and I just, you know, and you're, again, closure for me wasn't finding, you know, having a love of my birth parents. It was finding the love for myself. It's beautiful. Thank you so much. Um, You're welcome. Yeah. And I, I haven't told you this before, but I, I always believe that souls and spirits come into this world. You know, they fight so hard to get here. And although how you came about wasn't the most beautiful and, you know, fairy tale way, 
your soul needs to be here. Your spirit needs to be here. And you are a beautiful gift to this world. And for you sharing your medicine with other adoptees, with other non-adoptees, like it's needed. And so thank you. Thank you for moving Thank you so it. much. And, and so like, much. seriously though, it's, it's so important that you're here and it's so, impact, you're impacting so many people already that whether you know it or not, and just thank you for sharing your medicine and thank you for sharing your stories and your gifts with this world and your oh, love. Thank <laughs> you so much. And I'm actually, I can't, you can't even describe how much I'm so happy that we connected. Me I too. really am. <laughs> I'm so excited for more to come with, with your story, with both of us, with and our generations, yes. with our community that's unfolding. And I'm just, I'm so grateful that the world of social media brought us together. Uh, amen. <laughs> so thank you so much for being here. And thank you for having me. It's been so wonderful. All right. Thank you so much. Love you. Love you too. Bye.